Hey, Zed Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Mr. Blog. And I'm Maggie. And this is the Walking Dead cast, episode 113. 113, that's a big number. It is a big number. They've had uh, quite a few episodes. So, for those of you wondering what's going on, Jason and Karen can't make it for this episode. Jason's currently uh, off on vacation, and Karen is off doing other, some other things. So, they've asked me to step in, and I have asked my lovely and beautiful young daughter, Maggie, to join me. I feel flattered. In talking about The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. She is a fan. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although that didn't sound believable, she actually does yeah, and, and I, is a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. And for those of you wondering what kind of horrible father allows his uh, <laughs> 11-year-old daughter to watch a zombie TV show, um, I can just say she knows the difference between reality and make-believe, yeah. and that really isn't a problem. So. There you go. Uh, (laughs) I'm not winning father of the year this year. No. That's okay. (laughs) Or ever. Or ever. These kids won't even nominate me. It's kind of sad. Okay. Let's. uh, (laughs) Actually, I don't think there's actually a real father of the year. Um, So we got a lot of things coming up. Maggie and I are going to be covering uh, the Walking Dead news. We're going to cover some listeners' moans, groans, and grunts. Got a few emails and. well, actually, one email, a few Facebook responses, and one voicemail. And luckily for you, you're not going to have to hear us the whole time because Jason and Karen did pre-record the second half of their Season 3 rewatch, which will be coming up very shortly. So, first item I want to talk about is Walker Stalker Con. That's coming up November 1st through 3rd in Atlanta, put on by uh, the Walker Stalkers. Jason and Karen will be there to moderate a number of panels. I think there's a, I think the Talking Dead may be there as well. They've got a lot of people lined up for this thing. Uh, Greg Nicotero, of course, is the guest of honor. They're going to be having uh, Chandler Riggs and Lauren Cohen and, of course, Norman Reedus. But they did get a whole lot of other people now. We've got uh, Emma Bell, who's going to be showing up. M- Melissa Ponzio, who plays Karen. Lawrence Gillard Jr., the new character, Bob Stuckey. You haven't seen him yet, but he's uh, he is a character in the comic, and he's also in the Rise of the Governor novels, so we'll get to meet him. And, drumroll please. That's close, pretty good. Uh, Denai Guerrera, Michonne herself, will be showing up uh, probably to be on a panel and to be a guest, so that's exciting. But what's more exciting is... Uh, we're giving away two free VIP tickets. So we got to, yeah, absolutely. So there's going to be a contest to win two VIP tickets, which include passes to all three days, better seating for the Q&A panels, fast access to autograph and photo sessions, which is pretty cool. That's about, I think the VIP tickets go for about $200 uh, for the three days. What? Uh, $250 at the door, I believe. Also, I will be there. Uh, your mother may be joining me. I'm not sure. So Mrs. Blog may be there as well. I know a number of our listeners are going to be there, uh, plus a lot of the cast, a bunch of zombies, people like Judith O'Day, who was Barbara from the, the Night of the Living Dead, the original zombie film. Yes, I knew. I knew her. I knew her son in high school. Um, wow. So that's, that's a really big deal. And uh, to enter this contest, tweet why you're excited about Walker Stalker Con to at Walker Stalker Con. Now, the spelling of that's a little bit different. It's going to be at W-A-L-K-R-S-T-A-L-K-R-C-O-N. No E's. So it's walk, at Walker Stalker Con with no E's. It's kind of tough to say that many times. 
and at Jason and Karen. So the Walking Dead cast as well, so they know who it is and which contest is going on. So at Jason and Karen. Enter by November 13th to be eligible, and they're going to pick a, a, a winner at random. Now, that doesn't that's just the VIP tickets. That mm-hmm. does not include travel expenses or hotel, and these tickets are non-transferable. So... Go to walkerstockercon.com for more information about the convention. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and repeat what you need to do to to get the, to win those passes. So tweet why you're excited about the contest and include at walkerstockercon and at Jason and Karen. And do that by October 13th. Why October 13th? Why do you think? Because October 13th is an unlucky number. No, no, it has nothing <laughs> to do with it. Actually, it's one of the most lucky numbers right now because... What? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, go ahead. Why? Because today's the 113th episode. No. Oh. No, because oh. The Walking Dead Season 4 begins October 13th. Uh, so before the Season 4 starts, get those contests. Uh, yeah. Get your get yourself into that. So once again, go to walkerstockercon.com for information about the convention. So let's kick in with some news about The Walking Dead, all right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Maggie, Maggie's not too talkative at the moment. Uh, I think. Yeah. A little nervous on the mic. So, first thing I want to talk about is Jason did an interview with another father-daughter podcasting team, Jasmine and Michael. Of, Jasmine. Of the Walking Dead Girl podcast. They cover The Walking Dead, and you can find them on iTunes at walkingdeadgirl.com. The interview that Jason did is episode 19, so download that from iTunes. Another item here, our beloved Tumblr queen, Brittany Duke, hey Brittany, has her own podcast now, Once Upon a Podcast, all about ABC's hit show, Once Upon a Time. She's a natural, and she and her friend, co-host, Amanda, have a great rapport. So, if you're a fan of that show or curious about it, check them out. You can find them at iTunes or at OUAPodcast.com. So, Once Upon a Podcast. What? Okay. Nothing, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Now, now a little more specific with The Walking Dead, uh, AMC's webisode series, which we've all loved. Actually, have you ever even seen the webisodes? They're like little, little. I don't think you ever have seen those, have you? You can go to amc.com and you can see these little like four minute webisodes. There's like four or five episodes that kind of fill in a few gaps. They've been pretty cool. I've done one for every season, Uh, but we're going to have the new season's return October 1st with three new installments. It's titled The Oath, and they are directed by Greg Nicotero. Uh, there are three seven to ten minute webisodes. We'll follow the lone survivors of a massive zombie attack and star Ashley Bell from The Last Exorcism 2, uh, Wyatt Russell and Ellen Green. Webisodes will give us a unique opportunity to see other parts of the ravaged world of The Walking Dead while weaving in and out of our show, Nicotero said in a release. Crossover between The Oath and The Walking Dead ties in one of the most iconic images of the series and gives us insights and history to yet another timeline. Now, I'm not sure what which iconic image they're talking about, and I'm thinking maybe it might have something to do with the little girl that you see in the pilot. Spoiler, it's me. That's not you. <laughs> uh, all right. You know the girl I'm talking about. Yeah, I know the one that Penny. No, not Penny. That's a governor's daughter. No, first... no, no. The little the little girl that Rick shoots in the face in the oh, pilot. Oh, the first episode? Maybe. I don't know. It, it doesn't say. It just says... That was it, a great episode. One of the most iconic images from the series, and they're not talking about the governor in his zombie aquarium. So I don't oh. know. So that's uh, the webisodes kicking in again October 1st. 
the next item here. Zombies are taking over AMC. The network announced plans for a new Walking Dead spinoff. Wait, what? Yeah, there's going to be another show. What? It's going to be a whole other Walking Dead show. Why did I not know about this? Because I purposely didn't tell you so that you could get your real reaction when we got on the podcast. You're so uh, Kirkman has this to say about it. said, after 10 years of writing the comic book series and being so close to the debut of our fourth and, in my opinion, best season of the TV series, which they seem to say every season, I couldn't mm. be more thrilled about getting the chance to create a new corner of the Walking Dead universe, Kirkman said in a statement. The opportunity to make a show that isn't tethered by the events of the comic book and is truly a blank page has set my creativity racing. So this is going to have absolutely no connection to the comic book at all. It's not going to have any connection to the show as we know it. It's going to be a completely different group of people in the same zombie apocalypse. Huh. So that's what the show is going to be about. What do you think? That sounds pretty cool. Do you want to watch it with me? Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. It's a date. No, no, it's not. <laughs> All right, I live the, here. I don't have a choice. <laughs> well, that's true. Okay, so <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the next item I have here is potentially a little bit spoilery if you don't want to hear about any casting news for the upcoming season. Uh, go ahead and skip forward now because um, the next section will be Jason and Karen's uh, top five you for to the go, second half of the season three rewatch. Are you done? What? I just want to make sure everybody, if you don't want to hear any spoilers, move forward. Yep. Move forward. Yes. Then you're going to hear more familiar voices. I pity the fool that doesn't skip. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, Mrs. T. <laughs> no. Um, no. So we got, a lot, we got a lot of new casting news going on uh, for season four. Uh, first person is Alana Masterson. She's the most uh, recent one to be added. Uh, she is going to be a recurring character with the option of becoming a regular in season five if she survives. Uh, we don't really know who she's going to be, but she's rumored to be somebody named Tara Chalmers or Tara Chalmers, a member of the Chalmers family. Uh, the only time we've ever seen her or that family was in, in the Rise of the Governor book. Hmm. So I don't I've, I've read them. I don't remember the Chalmers. I don't remember a Tara Chalmers. So who knows what role she's going to going to take. Uh, the other big news was uh, Vincent Martella has been cast as well as Christian Serratos. Now, Christian Serratos, some of you may know uh, from the Twilight movies. What? She was one of uh, Bella's friends. Not Anna Kendrick, not the girl from Pitch Perfect, but oh, the other one. Man, the, the, the supermodel that. who they... Oh, the blonde hair lady? No, no, the dark-haired woman. The dark-haired girl. You don't remember. You don't no. remember. But basically they said, hey, let's oh. take the supermodel and make her look ugly and dorky by putting glasses on her. Because oh, suddenly okay. that turns uh, a really hot girl kind of ugly when Was you that, put glasses yeah, on her, right? Just like how no, people always didn't. yeah, just like how people always <laughs> say, like, I can put glasses on and now become a nerd for Halloween. It's just like, yeah. that makes a big difference. Exactly. Not at all. Now, I got to let the listeners know, Maggie gets a little uh, offended by people being fake nerds. She takes a little bit of pride in being a bit of a geek herself. Not only does she watch The Walking Dead with her, with her dear old dad and mom, old. but she old. Yeah, That's the only thing that I got out of that. <laughs> Will you please talk into the mic? Yes, I am. So uh, Christian Serratus will be playing. Now, now this, this is a little bit spoilery, so even for those of you who... Well, for those of you who are familiar with the comic, you're going to recognize the name Rosita Espinoza. 
She was the girlfriend to Abraham and and along with Eugene. No casting news on them or as to whether or not they're going to be on the show, but Rosita will be. And also, one other bit of casting news, and Maggie, this one, you will know what? who he is. Is David Tennant being on? No, David Tennant was not no. going to be on it. <laughs> Karen, Karen would love that also. Oh, <laughs> uh, but Vincent Martella is going to be playing uh, another survivor at the prisoner at the prison. You don't know the name Vincent Martella, no. but you will definitely recognize his voice because he is the voice of Phineas from Phineas and Ferb. The little boy? Well, he's not a little boy, but he is. He's about. He was a little boy. Well, he, and he is. He's pretty young. He's going to be about Carl's age, so he's about Chandler oh, Riggs' cool. age. So maybe he'll have a playmate or somebody for Carl to shoot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds funny. I mean, you know, he seems to like to kill people, and especially well, younger younger kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead, <laughs> Jason, Karen. Come on, give us your top five for please. season three, please. please. Part two. Attention shoppers, Deadcast Top 5 in 5, 4, 3, 2. Hey everybody, it's us. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again, uh, I want to thank Mr. and Maggie Blog for filling in for us. Thanks Mr. Blog, thanks Maggie. They haven't recorded their part yet when we're doing this, but I'm sure it's great. And Thank cute you and in everything. advance. <laughs> so here we are with our second half of our season three rewatch this week. It's the top five highlights of season three episodes nine through 16. That's right. um, so last time we were talking about how um, we didn't, you know, like the second half as much. And I remember the second half got a negative reaction from a lot of people, especially that last episode. Um, and I was thinking about it. It's like when you're going through this season, the second half for the first time, it feels like it's time for the war between Woodbury and the prison almost right away. Uh-huh. And, and there's a, um, and you, uh, at least for me, I was like totally wanting a convert confrontation between Rick and the governor. And then each episode just kept getting put off and put off. <laughs> and then, they had a little sit down. Yeah, they had a sit down for a whole episode. And right. then when it finally happened, um, it, not it, much happened. It, it, yeah, they didn't really. I mean, they went into the prison, but they didn't confront the characters really. And I think they filmed some stuff where uh, some of our guys killed some of their guys. I think I have a feeling that's what happened, but then it just looked too brutal. So they left it out. So it just felt incomplete. And then the governor gets away. And he doesn't even face Rick head on. So nope. it's like this frustrating buildup with this unsatisfying conclusion. <laughs> right. Exactly. To points unknown. We don't know where the governor yeah. is. But the second time around, knowing that it wasn't going to come, I wasn't going, when is it going to come? I was just more like, okay, let's see what this is all about. Yeah, and exactly. with that less expectation, I, I, I appreciated the episodes much more. In fact, I liked all of them, even the first one that we didn't really like the first time around. Uh huh. Because watching the whole series all at once, right. it felt like, you know, it's good to have tension, 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 and then a little bit of release. And so that episode, even though it was slower, the Suicide King, if in the context of the whole thing, it felt like good pacing. Sure. And, but it, it, but the way that they did it, you know, coming back after that break, yeah. it was like, let's see what happens. Right. Oh, huh, not much. Right. Exactly. Yeah. After you're waiting for months and months. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but if you're watching it, 
all, all in a row. It's different. It has a different effect. But so, so on to summarize on my second rewatch, I felt or first rewatch, I felt like, uh, I, I liked the season a lot more, but I still felt like the end was unsatisfying with the governor getting away and, and, and everyone staying at the prison. So, yep. That would be my <laughs> biggest complaint too. Although I liked the finale. Um, it was, and it was certainly fun to see a couple of zombie extras. Uh, well, actually just one zombie extra a couple of times. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the the ending was unsatisfactory, and I'm but but uh, looking back on it though, I'm curious now to see what they do with the governor. Where is he, and mm-hmm. what's going to happen? And I'm he was such a compelling character. I'm kind of glad that we're going to see him. Well, theoretically, we're going to see him again this coming season. Yeah, I mean, and also a second a reason why I like the second half better too is after having rewatched it, I feel like I like I mentioned last time that I understand the governor better and Rick better, and so it, that was in some ways even more satisfying than the first time, just having getting a clearer picture of what the writers were trying to say. Right, and, and so now. Um, I'm yeah I guess, I'm I'm curious too. I I read a rumor that this was a while back that two episodes next season will be standalone governor episodes. Oh, great. Yeah, so I don't know if there'll be any flashbackiness or what, but I also heard a rumor and this is like totally unsubstantiated that they might do a movie about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a prequel maybe? Uh, yeah, like based on the novels, The yeah. Rise of the Governor and all that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, p- prequels, I, I wish they would stop making prequels, actually. <laughs> but this one might be interesting if they do it the way it is in the novel. I don't know. I guess I would watch it for sure. Yeah. You know what, though? There's uh, They just announced a prequel for Breaking Bad uh, based on Saul Goodman. Yeah. And, and I'm so excited about that. So <laughs> well, I don't know. Not all prequels are bad. I, I was bummed to hear that that's a prequel, and there's at least I feel like there's a ten percent chance that they're just saying it's a prequel, so we won't know whether Saul survives. <laughs> and then they'll be like, "Psych, it's not a prequel if he survives." <laughs> but if it is a prequel, then maybe some of the other characters that are gone can show up. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, which would be great. I won't name them because I don't want to spoil. But uh, let's get into the Walking Dead stuff. Why don't you go first? Okay, so my number five is uh, one particular moment that just really stood out for me, and that is the ending of the episode, I Ain't a Judas. And that's when Beth starts singing, and she sings the Tom Waits song, Hold On, and it's from Mule Variations' great album. And it's it's a beautiful moment, and Emily Kinney has such a gorgeous voice. Yeah. And it's really touching. Uh, I think a lot of people don't like when she starts singing, maybe they feel a little contrived. Maybe it's not a lot of people. Maybe it's only just a few people. But I love it. And I'm sucked in every single time. And I love that beautiful song. And then it it sort of morphs into Tom Waits singing. And we see Andrea as she uh, sleeps with the governor and accomplished at least half of her mission, which was... Uh, <laughs> the part where she gives him the night of his life. Right. <laughs> she forgot <laughs> to add in the part, then kill him. That's hilarious. <laughs> She goes back to Carol. Well, I did that first part, but what was the second forgot, part? Again? What was that second part? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I heard next season Emily Kinney's going to sing a song at the end of every episode. 
You did not hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. It's going to be great. She is going to do a concert at the Walker Stalker Con. Ooh, can't wait. So all you Emily Kinney fans, me. go to that. Um, yeah, cool. I like that, too. I, I When she first started singing, I thought uh, it's it did feel a little weird, but then they did it pretty well, and I loved how it blended in with Tom Waits and and the whole scene at the end with Andrea was great. Oh, it was. It was. So from my number five, I took a look again at the opening credits because we were looking at those early on in the season and trying to um, see whether or not they were foreshadowing. And oh. so now we can look back and know if they were. Right. So when Andrew Lincoln's name pops up, uh, it shows a sheriff's badge in the dirt, which I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's just, hey, sheriff's badge. It's Rick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At first, I thought that might have signified. Well, you know, I, I I thought it signified that he threw it away, and he kind of did. Like he was kind of gone a lot of the season, you know, off chasing Ghost Lori around. And also, he decided that he wasn't going to be Dudley Do Right Sheriff. That That's he right. Mm-hmm. At he's going very- to get a little more badass. And at the very end, he said, uh, "No more dictatorship." Right. And it's, it's this all, is all of us together. Yeah. He said, this is a democracy. He <laughs> <laughs> should have said that. <laughs> Remember when I said this is not a democracy? Well, now it is. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to vote on it. I just declare it. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you will vote the way I say. Um, <laughs> so Sarah Wayne Callies comes up and there's a like a bug a nasty looking centipede looking yeah. bug crawling over a bullet shell which yeah. back i think we talked about that after she died and you know carl had to shoot her right. but Lori holden's name also pops up uh, when you over that bullet shell she gets shot too and she shoots herself right right <laughs> yeah so it makes me wonder if mm. if there's anything to this or what you know that they did kind of know i don't know um, Norman Reedus has two arrows stuck in a tree, which I guess is pretty simple. He shoots arrows. It's <laughs> <He does laughs> like shooting arrows. It's yeah. Stephen Yun has that pocket watch running really fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Time's running out. <laughs> but it also <laughs> signifies the pocket watch that Herschel had stuck right. up his ass for 28 years. <laughs> finally <laughs> gave it to finally him. finally gave it to him. Here, have this. <laughs> uh, then. Where's the Febreze? <laughs> Lauren Cohan shows a graveyard. I think that was uh, a total misdirection because I don't. Yeah. I mean, unless it's all her friends. <laughs> <laughs> Chandler Riggs side of a white house. Somebody had a good explanation for that, but I forget what it is mm. that he was always running around the house. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Deny Guerrera shadows of a feet through the crack under a door and then a bloodshot eye that's perhaps hers darting around. And I thought that was just her being kind of mysterious. And then the eye looks like it could either be a zombie eye or just someone who's really paranoid. Yeah. Poke, <laughs> looking through cracks in the mm-hmm. wall. Yep. Yep. And then Michael Rooker comes over that same bloodshot eye. So I don't know. Hmm. Or those could all just be random images. They could, yeah. Well, I mean, some of them are obviously at least like the badge is obviously Rick. The arrows are Daryl, you know. So just those two and the watch is is Glenn make you want to wonder what the connections are between the bullet and Lori and um, Andrea, you know, and things like that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. 
we should uh we should ask I know. somebody who would know next time. Was that um, intentional or not? Who should we ask? Mr. Blog? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Blog, <laughs> tell, us, the <laughs> tell us the answer. <laughs> uh, okay. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. My number four is the zombies this season. Uh, I, you know, of course, I believe that a couple of extra zombies this season were exceptionally good looking and smart. Uh, but actually, the zombie kills were great. Um, there are a couple in particular, one in particular that I loved, which is the curb stomp. Oh, that was, yeah. yeah, I I didn't know what a curb stomp was before, and now I know, and it's hard to get that image out of my head. But the zombies this season, uh, this half of the season, I thought were really really good, and they're getting skinnier, they're looking more emaciated. Um, when I was an extra, I got to meet a couple of the zombies who have been on for a while, and these uh, young men are truly truly thin people i mean they are really really skinny guys with with long skinny necks and skinny heads and <laughs> and they are just really thin humans and so they look fabulous as zombies they're really good zombies so yeah the zombies this season loved them you never saw american history x did you no i didn't that was with Ed, Edward Norton as a skinhead white supremacist who curb stomps a guy that's the first time i ever saw it Wait, I think it was him that did it. Anyway, yeah. That's that. So it's like a a, a um, ruffian move. No, it can be nice too. <laughs> <laughs> Just curb stomp with love. Okay, this is my long one again. It's things that I found interesting the second time in retrospect. Okay. So the first episode, well, that I found something was clear, which was a, a great episode. Um, I. I, you know, the whole backpacker thing mm-hmm. where they pass up the backpacker and he's like, wait, don't leave me. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And he has that orange backpack. Well, I, at first I was like, how does this relate? I couldn't quite get it. But then watching it a second time, he really stresses to Morgan, you know me, you know me, you know, and I know you and I know this guy. And even when um, Morgan has his mask on and they knock him out and, uh, the, you know, they say, you know, who, who is this guy? And Michonne's like, who cares? It's all about like the season is about, is a lot about just us and them. And you protect right. the people that, you know, but the people you don't fuck them and let's just kill them or, you know, whatever. So right. that they, they don't even get close enough to the backpacker to see his face. So he represents, okay, this is a stranger and we don't care about them. You know, yeah, 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 and 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 at the end, he uh, you know, he ends up inviting a bunch of strangers. Uh, yes, Rick en- exactly. ends up inviting a bunch of strangers from Woodbury yeah. into the prison. So he decides that you know what, uh, maybe uh, all of us banding together, no matter who you are, regardless of whether we know you or not, yeah. is a good idea. Yeah, totally. Um, another thing, the way Morgan protected his little area with all the spiky spikies, <laughs> the um, mousetrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, this minor spoiler for season four, but it looks like they've set some similar things up around the prison. Oh, good. And so, yeah, it looks like they've learned from Morgan. But I wonder if they're also going to use the varmint traps. <laughs> Like, I don't think so. Because I, I, I think Morgan was trying to lure them uh, onto the spikes, but maybe around the prison they would just have it there. Well, maybe they would, though, just to focus them in on those spikes. We'll see. Don't you think they should build some screamer pits? 
they could get like a, a backhoe and, yeah, and, and they, dig some screamer pits? Yeah, I guess so. Because, I mean, the reason why uh, the governor's henchmen built that was to corral the zombies so that they could use them later. But you might as well do it just to draw them away. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, an arrow on the, oh, I, I'm still not sure exactly what Morgan meant by clear. He kept saying, I got to clear, I got to clear. Yep. I mean, yep. it obviously meant kill a bunch of zombies, but it seemed like it was metaphorical too. And I think it has something to do with clearing his conscious after his son died. But I don't understand right. quite why, how killing a bunch of zombies would clear his conscious. I think basically it was just insane. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatized. Yeah, yes. yeah. PTSD. That's right. Uh, And the next arrow on the doorpost, the zombie at the fence uh, seemed extra loud and excited when Glenn and Maggie are about to have sex. Oh, (laughs) I didn't notice that. (laughs) I mean, I think it was just so you would focus in on, but they're like... Maggie comes up to Glenn and they had been fighting and she's like, you know, I love you. And then they start getting all hot and heavy and then you hear... <laughs> so, Are you sure that wasn't Glenn and Maggie? <laughs> yeah, because Glenn looks over and he's like, um, I don't think I can do this here. <laughs> but I wonder, are they like horny now? Is that what the new thread is <laughs> for next season? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. That's something, maybe it's just beautiful, beautiful zombie love. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I, Tyrese and Sasha, um, I feel like we haven't really gotten to know them very much. Um Tyrese watching this over again, it just seems like he uh, he's a little wimpy. He just keeps agreeing to do whatever it takes to be safe, which I can understand. They've obviously been through a lot, but he's just like doing whatever the governor says, doing whatever Rick wants, doing whatever Carl wants. And then finally, at the end, he um, refuses to go to war with humans, but he's still kind of apologetic about it. Sorry, but uh, I don't want to kill yeah. anyone. But... Uh- but Sasha, she's uh, great. They're bo- uh, yeah, she she's like more of a fierce person, but she defers mm-hmm. to Tyrese. Right. Uh, so, but I, you know, if he is weak like that, that will give his character somewhere to go. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I think we're going to see a lot more of him next season. I right? do too. Uh, the scene at the end with the exhausted Andrea finally making it to the prison after the governor had been chasing her around and there's oh. this nice music and we're all relieved. And then, Oh, yep. he grabs her. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know what? Never relax, never be happy. <laughs> that's what that means. It's the kiss of death. Do you ever have stuff like that happen where you're like, yes, finally. And then it gets snatched out from under you. I constantly worry about that you and do. it never happens. Yeah. So like the walking dead is, is sort of reflects all of my greatest fears. I was trying to think of one and it's like, well, Chris Hardwick said he would come on for an interview and then they just all of a sudden stopped talking to us. So that was like, <laughs> but that was not like a huge relief when he said he would, it was kind of like, Oh cool. And then when they said no, it was like, Oh darn. So it wasn't yeah. quite the same intensity. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, we'll try again. But, um, he didn't torture you in a dentist chair afterwards. Uh, he did, but I didn't mind so much. Um, let's see, what else? I liked in this sorrowful life seeing uh, Glenn, Daryl was approaching Glenn to see if there was any way he could forgive Merle for trying to kill him. And Glenn was completely unmoved by it. And I like that change dynamic where Daryl's kind of the tentative one down position and Glenn was more dominant. It made me like Daryl more to see him like that, you know. 
Yeah, he his character has really changed since the beginning. He's yeah, he, yeah. He, it's been delightful seeing his character develop. I like it. Yeah, this season he's more about um, being part of the group and yep. being a family. And he said to Merle at one point, you know, uh, you can't exist in this world anymore without each other or something like that. You need you need people. You can't do things without people anymore. Which is so sad because then his brother's taken away from him. I you know. know. That, that's now, really sad. That brings to mind that last time I had a category about emotional moments, but this time there weren't enough to make that a whole category. And I think maybe that's one reason why also why this season wasn't as well received because there weren't as many. But you can't keep killing off major characters. That Those right. are where the big emotions come from. But the, I think the biggest emotional mo- moment this time is when Daryl oh, died. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Carl, oh my I God. mean pff, Merle. Merle. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, and, well, yeah, with Daryl right there. And yeah. it's just, oh, my God. And, and He was him, great. Yes, yeah. And that, that really got me, that whole thing about him um, just stabbing at his face and crying like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> Um, Michonne, I don't really get why Michonne suddenly changes into the kind of person who would use words to get under a guy like Merle's skin. You know, she, she's sitting there trying to talk him into not going through with taking her to the governor because in the first half of the season, she would kill somebody for looking at her wrong. And of course she was tied up, but I, you know, she just also seemed very calm and I would think that Michonne would be capable enough to get out of that. And I, I don't know, it felt like her character, underwent a transformation more because they thought she was too abrasive versus something organically with the actual character itself. Well, I disagree. I, uh, I mean, you could definitely, I mean, who knows why they did it, but I'm glad they did it because I, I loved her and I thought she would, she ended up being the most charismatic character on the show. In fact, she's my, she's my number one. Um, and I'll just say it right now. I loved her. I thought, I thought the second half they let her, explain herself they opened her up she uh it it felt to me organic because she realized she has to be part of the group and that transformation really happened in clear when she goes out with rick and carl and um it was such a beautiful i'll talk about that too a little bit more but um so you think that that be my number one i i can see how she underwent somewhat of a change in attitude in in uh, clear, I think it, she started out with that attitude though, because they were in, uh, like they went back to the where Rick, uh, his police station, trying to get weapons, mm-hmm. and she, he said, well, there's nothing here, so we're going to go around to these bars where I know guys had guns, and she said, well, that there's not enough weapons there, and he said, well, that's all we got, so we're going to do that. Is that all right with you? And then she makes a big show of handing him this little bullet, which sort of symbolized, okay, yes, you're going to be the leader, and I will now follow you. So it was at the beginning of that episode that she decided that, and so there, to me, that means there was something before that that made her decide, okay, I'm going to be a part of the group now, and... I can accept that, but does that mean that when Merle kidnaps her, that she's still going to be like, well, I should be nice to Merle because I'm a part of this group now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It could, it could, but it seems kind of unlikely to me. A good scene of the two of them together is when he had chained her up and the, the zombies came and she's such a badass that she gets out of that situation. I mean, she's, Oh yeah. It's a great scene. Uh, I mean, I like, I like it too. I, and I like Michonne better. And I just wish that that 
transition could have felt more real to me rather than Mm -hmm. it just felt kind of sudden that she was suddenly a different person and it didn't make sense. The whole thing with Merle struggling and going out a hero. uh, I kind of wish that Merle would have just stayed an asshole meth head and died that way. No, you can't possibly mean that. I totally do because I don't want it all to be nicey nicey and contrived. I want it to be more sometimes at least like real world. I don't want every character like T-Dog did. Okay, we're going to kill a magic character. How can we redeem them first? It just feels too um, fake or something. One thing I was curious about in the final episode, the governor tells Merle, he goes into the torture room where Andrea is all tied up and he tells, not Merle, Milton, uh, to get the tools. I'm not going to need them anymore. And I wonder if that's because, you know, I really do think that this whole torture room was set up specifically for Michonne, not Andrea. And I don't even think he tortured Andrea and that, um, they decided to go to the prison and kill Michonne instead of bringing her back there. Maybe. Yeah. Um, that's probably a pretty fair theory. Or he also just told Milton to kill Andrea in that scene. So maybe he's like, well, I'm not going to need it anymore because you're going to do it. Oh. I think that might be it. <laughs> oh my god, it was so that was so awful. The the and the whole scene of you know that she has to reach. He's like, I'm going to turn. You have to reach for the the screwdriver or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, 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 so awful. The worst thing about that scene is, you know, you're like Andrea, stop talking to Milton and get the hell out of there. And I I liked that, as I mentioned when we first podcasted about it, because it was a horror trope where you want, you're like, come on, come on. But when you really think about it, it cost her her life. Oh, yeah. She she dicked around and then she got killed and she could have easily made it out in time to get him. Andrea, what do we always say? Don't get bit. (laughs) Come on. She doesn't listen to us. Um, A few more short things. So. Uh, for one, it's a trip to watch 16 hours of a show and then see yourself at the end. <laughs> that was interesting. Yep. Um, and I saw Colin, who is a friend of ours, and I wonder if he's still listening to the podcast. Hey, Colin, Hi, if you are. Uh, one of the guys I noticed on the bus at the end had a floppy hat like Dale's, an old guy. I wonder Aww. if they did that as a shout out to Dale. And then I noticed that the final scene of the season was the cross sticking up out of Lori's grave as a tribute, I guess. Man. So that's all. Yeah, that's nice. My number three, speaking of Andrea, was Andrea. And although I found her very, very frustrating at times, um, I thought she was a pretty intriguing character and she was complicated. And we went back and forth and discussed her ad nauseum this season because um, I like characters that you can do that with that aren't one way, cut and drive. She's very interesting. I like that she fell for the governor and that she fell for Woodbury and that she also finally realized that she was in the wrong camp and she came around and that um, to her credit, she tried to make it right with everyone, even though some of the things she did didn't really work that well, like Mm -hmm. the whole sit down that she arranged with the governor and Rick. But in the end, um, because, you know, peace was never going to happen. It sounds like something that you and I would try. Yeah. Well, you got to. You got to try everything. You got to try A, B, and C before you drop the bomb, you know? 
Yeah. So she tried a lot of different things. She had a lot of chances to kill the governor. It was really, really frustrating that he kept living. Yeah. And a lot of people had chances to kill the governor, Milton. And uh, he kept being alive. But um, but I liked her character in the end. And I think in the end, she was redeemed. There, I've said it. Yes, I agree with you. And I think I'm a little more um, forgiving because I think she only went a little too far still like being his girlfriend, but but almost the same as anyone would. And that she, I think she decided at some point that okay, he's a bad guy, but I'm going to stay pretending to be his girlfriend so that I can, you know, have more of an influence. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, and that was noble. And as she says at the end, when she uh, is dying on the floor, I just didn't want anyone to die. Nope. And then she dies. So she really messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want anyone to die. Now I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. That's all she, that's all she wanted. She just, yeah. at first she saw a chance to, uh, be safe and more comfortable. And this charming, uh, you know, capable guy who took an interest in her, you know, who yep. wouldn't want to be a part of that. Then she started seeing signs that he wasn't so, uh, together and then when you know she really started seeing some things that were over the line by that point she knew that he he was a threat to uh, her friends so he stayed she stayed with him to try and you know work it all out yeah so my number three was andrea too and um i think that's good enough on andrea so go ahead okay my number two is the episode clear and we kind of talked about it already but I thought it was such a great episode. It's my favorite episode, start to finish. I loved that it's bookended with the hitchhiker uh, when they see him and then don't pick him up uh, when at the beginning and then at the end when uh, they get the, grab the backpack and uh, <laughs> hilarious. I like too uh, that all of the, both of those scenes have no words. Yes, exactly, exactly. But they're but they're full of meaning, and yeah. and Carl's face in both of them, Michonne's face, Rick's face. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And I could watch um, that actor Lenny James, who plays Morgan. I could watch him. Did you think the- you didn't think he was a little too overdramatic? No, no, He's I didn't been- either. But he was very dramatic. <laughs> He's very dramatic. Yeah, and and but poor guy, he lost his wife. He That's lost right. his kid. And the yeah, reason he lost why his kid he lost too, his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and he had a chance to kill her. Who do you think has the biggest tragedy in the show? Well, Morgan's a contender for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think he's your spouse and your child. That's that's major. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Carl having to shoot his own mom is is pretty bad, but. I guess when your mom eats your son, that's worse. <laughs> not only does your, does, well, your wife eats your, your wife son. Eats not, your yeah, son. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. And that you had an opportunity to prevent that from happening. So not only does he feel all this sadness, he's also feeling terrible, terrible guilt because he could have kept yeah. his kid from dying if he had been strong enough to kill his zombie wife. But, totally. you know. It's it's hard. Must be hard to kill your zombie spouse. <laughs> At least I hope so. <laughs> um, and also, you know, Morgan is a cautionary tale. I love that it about not being able to really survive alone. Uh, you know, Morgan went off the deep end, probably in part because he was isolated. If it went, if there's anything that Rick learned by seeing Morgan, it's that you know you 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 have to stick together. You you um 
you know, Morgan says good people die and then people like me, we inherit the earth. Oh my God, there's so many good lines and really, really good writing in this episode. I love that the uh, moment with Michonne um, that they um, they go to the 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 little cafe and it's because Carl she follows Carl there and because Carl wants a picture, which is so sweet for his sister. Really, really nice, you know, so that Judith can have a picture of her mom. And then she comes out with not just the picture, but the cat. <laughs> and it's this, it's this little cat statue. And it's hilarious. So it made me cry. It, there was all kinds of really nice moments in that whole episode. You were talking about dramatic moments, but um, that one had a lot of them. And it also, she was, she was so kind to Carl. And she was kind to Rick, you know, when Rick... Um, was sort of talking to Lori and she says, she says, that's okay. I used to talk to my dead boyfriend all the time. So um, it was a really nice episode for all of the characters. Oh yeah. And I actually, yeah, I missed that, that there is a huge emotional moment in this episode with Morgan talking about what happened to his wife and kid. Yeah. Yeah. That was really hard. Yeah. It made me cry. Mm-hmm. It's really sweet. Yeah, exactly. Okay. My, are you crying right now? <laughs> no, I am sniffling though because oh. I have allergies. Okay, me too. That's the story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I have allergies. Um, <laughs> so the governor uh, is my number two. Uh, as I said last time, I thought that he existed, or his whole motivation was about creating this idyllic world so that he could bring Penny back into it, and that's why he had Milton there trying to, you know, figure out how to bring the zombies back. And then once she got killed by Michonne. Everything changed. Now he doesn't really care about the town except as you to use them as soldiers to get revenge on Michonne and Rick and company as secondary targets. Um, so in you know episode nine, the first episode back, he gives a speech that they're at war with terrorists. So he's just uh-huh. already immediately starting to marshal the forces of the town to get them all worked up to to fight his battle for him. Right. Um, then he kind of holds up like a wounded rat in that episode and disappears for a while. But then he, um, <laughs> do you remember the scene where he comes out? There's a guy who got bit by a zombie in the road suffering and the governor comes out, shoots him in the head and then goes back into his room. <laughs> yeah, I He's do like, remember that. This guy's loud. Can, can you guys quiet down out here? I just need to recover. Exactly. <laughs> um, then he also, um, there was something about picnics and he's saying that we're not having picnics anymore. And that feeds into this too. It's like, well, the whole picnicking thing was about creating a nice environment for Penny, but now he doesn't care about that anymore. Nope. In the next episode, the governor asks Milton if he'll take a bullet for him. And he says, yes, you know, <laughs> and, and I think, yeah, he doesn't need scientist Milton anymore. He needs nope. warrior Milton or whatever. So if he does, if he wouldn't do that, he's not useful to him anymore. Um, in this uh, episode, he also told Andrea that he really believed Milton could help Penny. So that reinforces that. Um, the next episode is the bargaining one. And now I see that the whole point of that, I guess it was pretty clear originally, but the whole point of that, uh, all the bullshitting that he goes through with Rick is just to get Michonne. Right. That's the only thing he he cared about when he went to that bargaining table. Yep. And then um, the next Uh, Rick says, you've obviously got big plans. You're the guy who's going to bring society back. Why risk it all? And it's like, no, he doesn't care about that anymore. Um, And then 
in the next episode, Prey, he says to Milton, do you still believe zombies have some spark in them of who they were? He says, I think so. And governor says, well, then that was my daughter, wasn't it? Milton says, whether that was Penny or not, it's done. It doesn't matter. And governor says, oh, it's all that matters. That when I heard him say that, that's really what like made the light bulb go off. Oh yeah, that is all that matters to him. He's being honest there. Then the final episode, he says his famous line in this life. Now you kill or you die. And then Milton says, what, what would your daughter think of what you are? And he says, she'd be afraid of me, but if I'd been like this from the start, she'd be alive today. So it just drives home that he's changed. You know, I think he used to be a normal guy. He recognizes that too. Yeah. Normal level manager. (laughs) Yeah. So that's it for my governor recap. And at the very end, he wastes all the soldiers. Right. He has no more use. Yeah. As soon as they won't help him attack anymore they're they're not useful and you could tell yep. he was super frustrated then everything gets all blurry for him you people blew <laughs> <Come> it <on. laughs> i wonder if that was his managerial style too i mean not to kill all his subordinates <laughs> but if they wouldn't you know because come on you guys <laughs> we need those reports god you're all gonna get fired yeah you're all fired <laughs> you and you are fired you're fired <laughs> no, that's new governor. That is new yeah, governor style. Probably right. That, w- that was Philip. Now it's the governor. <laughs> okay, that's it. I've heard somebody say that's got to be the most awkward road trip ever. At, you know, yeah. after, after he wastes all of them. Okay, everybody, let's get in the truck. Let's go. And there's just uh, uh, Martinez and Schumpert left. Right. <laughs> and they're giving each other eyes like, oh, oh shit. Could you go with them, I guess? <laughs> and Shumpert, he was with us at uh, our event in San Diego, but of course he wouldn't say anything about what's happening in season four. He was tight lipped, huh? Of course. Did you try to buy him alcohol and loosen him up? No, I didn't. You know, I don't want to know the spoilers. Yeah. I mean, true. I ask, oh, can you give us a hint just because I feel like I have to ask, but I don't really want. I mean, there's some sites out there that would just try to get all the secrets and put them out. And I I hate that. I I want, you know, you can't really enjoy the story if you know what's going to happen ahead of time. Yeah, I agree with you. (laughs) I avoid all those sites. Yeah. Okay. My number one was actually one that we had talked about, which was the transformation of Michonne. So what I'm going to say instead is I'm going to talk about a couple things that I liked about the second half of the season and that we didn't already talk about. And one of them is the transformation of Carol. She went from being a real milk toast character and uh, sort of annoying. I was I was not a Carol lover in previous seasons, but this season I dig Carol. I think she is sassy and I think she's come out of her shell and I just love watching her. You wanted um, her to die. I don't think I said die, did I? I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think so. I also liked, uh, uh, there were just a couple of cute scenes with her. I mean, cute, um, cute slash creepy scenes with her and uh, Axel. Axel. There were cute ones that were just straight up cute. Yeah, yeah. And poor Axel. He took a bullet for her. So cute. (laughs) (laughs) And then she used his body to block the bullets. Yeah, that's right. And um, I think it's also kind of cute that, Glenn, uh, his sort of sweet and also kind of gruesome proposal to, to Maggie mm-hmm. with the 
with the zombie ring. I love that he, you know, was looking at the zombies, looking at the zombies, and then he sees an engagement ring and he's like, okay, that's a good one. And cut it right off. And here you go, honey. Let's get hitched. So I like that too. So those are just a couple moments of the season that I liked. Yeah, that was another, that was an emotional moment. Yeah. Yeah. God, I miss some emotional moments. But yeah, I like that. I totally like that. Some people were mad that Glenn didn't get down on one knee, but I thought it was great. Yeah. Okay, so my last one is just Rick. I feel like, you know, Rick is the star of the show and his journey this season was about a guy who at first feels like he needs to take responsibility for everyone because when people go off in their own, bad stuff happens. So now I'm the leader and you're going to do what I say um, if you want to stay in this group. And that's kind of how the governor is. And it seems like if you're when you're a dictator, uh, people can stop feeling like real people to you and they're more like a burden or a tool, you know, for for you. And, and that weighed on him, just the whole responsibility. And especially when he um, failed to save Lori, that just kicked him into, oh my God, I, I, I suck at this and I can't, you know, have any more people depending on me, but I have to, you know, it just like fell to pieces and he just disappeared. And it's like the, the same thing when after Maggie got kind of assaulted by the governor and right. she was sitting with Herschel and he said, don't you disappear on me because she just had this blank, depressed look on her face. Yep. And yep. that's Rick started to disappear. And it, I mean, I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know, but when he went to see Morgan that I think that was the turnaround. He kept snapped him out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He kept saying to, to Morgan, you have to be able to come back from this. And he's really talking to himself. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. He is. Yeah. A- and it was a giant uh, light bulb went off for him. And you could see the transformation mm-hmm. after that. Thank God. Yeah. Because it, because they prevailed at the prison. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, even then, the next episode is the bargaining table. And I think that happened because he thought, he softened up a little bit, you know, he wasn't talking about bargaining before that. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. God, I, one thing though, that pissed me off is that they were, that he ever considered using Michonne as a bargaining chip. I know. I I mean, the re the biggest reason why that pissed me off is I just think it's a flaw in the writing in that he had no, I, I said this when we podcasted before, but he had no reason to believe that the governor would stick to his word. Right, exactly. And, you know, the, turn, yeah, the governor, there's a chance he might have because we know, or at least I think I know, that he that really was his big prize. But he probably wouldn't have because then he would have just, you know, what, what would be his purpose after torturing and killing Michonne? I might as well kill yeah, these other guys too. They were always, they were. They were always going to be a threat. Yeah, and we exactly, know what he yeah. does with threats. Exactly. And we saw him waste the military guys. So yeah. uh, we know that he doesn't um, He doesn't let threats uh, idle next to right. Woodbury. And, so. and Rick knew that too, you know? I mean, yeah. it, 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 the struggle over whether or not to give up somebody that you've come to know, I think is a good one. But that just that one thing about there's no reason to expect that the governor would stick to his word kind of ruins it. It's like, oh, you're giving her up for no reason. But he did change his mind just as Merle predicted he would. And, right. and you know, that's part of, that is a part of this whole transformation too, of just like, no, we're a family and humanity being more important than just doing whatever it takes to 
be safe, including sacrificing others. Right, right. And then another theme with Rick this whole season, of course, is Lori showing up at Ghost Lori. And I feel like she shows up when he's struggling with, you know, having to keep other people safe. She shows up again in episode 15, right when he's preparing to have Michonne delivered to the governor. And I was waiting for her to like hold her finger up and like shake it at him, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, just to really clarify how he's changed at the end, he gives his speech, uh, what we do, what we're willing to do. It's not my call. I couldn't sacrifice one of us for the greater good because we are the greater good. We're the reason we're still here, not me. This is life and death, how you live, how you die. It isn't up to me. I'm not your governor. We choose to go. We choose to stay. We stick together. We vote. So he's changed it over to being a democracy and more of a family and, um, you know, I think family is a big theme this season. At one point, Glenn even said that he felt like their crew was more of a family than Merle is to Daryl. You know, he's right. like, this is our family. So right. family is more about just who's in your heart, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then Carl tells Rick at the end, kill the governor before he kills them. So which brings to mind to me the governor's philosophy of you kill or you die. So Carl's it feels like is firmly in that camp. He, and he doesn't understand why Rick brought the people back in the bus. He gives him a dirty look. <laughs> what you brought them here. So that's well, he, he brought them there in part for Carl. Exactly. And I think Carl needs it, but he, yeah. And he's like right now, like what are you doing? And so right. I think next season is going to be a lot about that. Uh, yep. And then finally, um, when Andrea's dying, she says, Judith, Carl, the rest of them. And Rick says, the rest of us. So he's just stressing that, you know, we're more togetherness. Together. Yeah. yeah. Smart. So, what, I mean, one thing I wonder about this show and any show really is the writers have to write an arc over a season where a character starts out flawed and then ends up, you know, learning something. And then the next season they have to do it all over again. (laughs) And and this show is like, it's so like big and life or death that the transformations are so huge. So how can they keep having Rick just put through the ringer all the time, but somehow be better at the end of each season, you know? Yeah. Will they do that? Will they not? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on how much they follow the comic too. All right. Do you have, you went first, right? Mm-hmm. So we're done. We are. All right. Back to your regularly <laughs> scheduled father-daughter cuteness. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. See you soon. Bye. All righty. Thank you, Jason and Karen. That's fantastic. Good, yep. uh, good rewatch. You actually didn't listen to it. I did listen to it. No, I didn't. I was, uh, I was off at school or something. All right. So back to our father-daughter cuteness now. Yay. So. We got listener moans, groans, and grunts here. Uh, Jason asked yesterday or the day before uh, other people's thoughts about their about their rewatch and what they thought about it. And here are a few of the responses. Amanda Fenton. Oh, I'm going to destroy your name, and I'm sorry about this, but Bakiochi. It was a better watch as a marathon. I now hate Andrea a little less, but only a little. Michonne is a complete mess of a character. It feels like the writers had no game plan in developing her as a personality. Hmm. All right. Jose Estrada says, The flow is much better when you watch than back-to-back. The writing is better, too. Okay. Dana 
Thorpe Patterson says, I did rewatch them. Like you and Karen have said, I was surprised at how much I liked them. Picked up on little things I hadn't seen before. Caught a better glimpse at my Steeler hero, Heinz Ward, as a zombie. And caught you, Jason, in your zombie roles, too. Way cool. Looking forward to saying hey from Alaska when we get to Atlanta. How awesome is that? Somebody's actually coming from Alaska to Atlanta for the Walker Stalker Con. That person must really, really want to be here. Right? I'm assuming she does. She's probably well, like, not here. We're not in Atlanta. We're... No, I know. I'm, maybe there. There. <laughs> okay. Next one. All right. Uh, yeah. Anthony Farmsworth says, I'm rewatching it, and my girlfriend is watching it for the first time. She likes the season best. I think it's just I think it's just because of Michonne, and she wants Tyrese to replace Rick. What? And judging from the season four preview, it doesn't <laughs> look like that's gonna happen. Ha ha ha. Well, what do you think? Think that uh, Tyrese should be replacing Rick? Is Rick um, gone off the deep end. I think he's gone a little bit cuckoo. Well, but he's gone back. He's come back. But Tyrese, sort of. I don't know. I mean, is Tyrese? Tyrese he I seems th- to acquiesce to everything. He just seems to, to bend to the will of whoever he's around, you know. I don't know. What I do you think? I think he's a nice... I think he probably is a good leader, but, like, the fact that Rick is the main character and prob- has been for a while, I think he's probably going to stick with him, but Tyrese would be a good idea for a leader. Well, it's a democracy now. It's no longer the Rick-tatorship. Now it's a democracy, so yeah. I don't know. Is anybody the leader anymore? Everybody's the leader, right? Everybody is the leader of themselves. Ah, I don't know. A little philosophical there. All right. Dan Gillis says, sadly, I've seen the season three times from beginning to end. The first two times I watch it is when it airs. Once Sunday night, then again Monday or Tuesday before your podcast comes out. Then about two months ago, I watched it from beginning to end. On rewatch, Michonne isn't as annoying because you see where it's all going. Rick needs to chill the F out a little, and it's more annoying the third go-around. Overall, I like the Andrea storyline more the third time, knowing where it's all going to go as well. Plus, the governor should have been killed on about five different occasions. But overall, it's probably my favorite season so far. Loved all the action to open the season as well. There. So that's all the Facebook comments. Now, I gotta say, on on that one, as far... Recently, Jason and Karen uh, were talking about their favorite seasons, and I think they said three, one, two were their favorites. They they didn't personally. For me, it's three, two, one. I like the first two episodes of the first season, and the other ones I'm a little iffy on. But I like season two, and that's what. Iffy sounds like Jiffy, and Jiffy sounds like Jiffy Lube. Oh my goodness! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got a uh, one email and then a phone call. So, from Martin, I've got some thoughts on these rumors about the Walkers being more of a threat in Season 4. This doesn't necessarily mean they are evolving. It could just mean that because the prison population has increased due to the influx from Woodbury, supplies there have run out. Season 4 seems to be starting several months after the end of Season 3, so this makes sense. Smaller towns have probably been cleaned out by now, so maybe the only option for the survivors is to explore areas that previously were densely populated. So perhaps the walkers are more of a threat, not because of some change in them, but because the only way to get supplies is to travel to where they are far more walkers. Hmm. A change in quantity rather than quality. 
Yeah. So what do you think about that? That makes sense. Yeah, because they've been saying they've been saying leading up to season four that the the walkers are going to be more of a threat than they have been before. So there have been a lot of speculation. What does that mean? Are they going to get armor? Are they going to shoot lasers from their eyes? <laughs> are they going to be able to climb walls? Are they all going to be running? I mean, what does it mean? I, I probably agree with Martin here, but I think it's going to be a herd situation. You're yeah. going to get more herds. Have you seen the previews for season four yet that I showed you? Yeah, you showed me. So it looks like something happens inside the prison, yeah. right? So it looked like when, when Rick and everybody got all those Woodbury people, what they got were the old and the infirmed and Asthma Boy and all these kinds of things. <laughs> Asthma, Asthma Bo- Boy. Asthma Boy is one of the characters. He's actually going to be at Walker Stalker Con as well. Oh, yeah. Asthma Boy will be there. So. Asthma Boy. <laughs> so that, that makes sense that there may be some more herd-type situations. So. And now we have a phone call from listener Pete Ilani, who will also be in Atlanta. Hi, Jason and Karen. It's Pete Ilani. How are you? So, Hi. Saturday night, Dodgers are playing the Giants. There's a big fight with Canelo and Mayweather. And what am I doing? Baseball, really? I'm home, alone, doing my season three rewatch of uh, The Walking there Dead. there we go. Very good. All right, guys. Hopefully, I'll have some comments for Facebook, or maybe I'll call back. But I'm looking forward to season four. And hopefully, I'll see a bunch of you guys out in Atlanta. All right. Thanks a lot, Pialani. Yes, indeed. We will see you in Atlanta. All right. That's our show, episode 113. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, thank you very much for putting up with, uh, with me and my daughter as opposed yeah. to the regular podcast. Uh, but Jason and Karen will be returning uh, for their regularly scheduled program uh, beginning October 14th, the day after the walk premiere of The Walking Dead. So look forward to that. Um, they do have coming up right now is the podcast awards, um, beginning October 1st. You can go to podcastawards.com and nominate the walking dead cast. They need some help with this. They need us to help them. So those of us who are listeners, if you love the podcast as much as I do, which is a lot, and I know you guys love it because you're all listening. Uh, just go to podcastawards.com, nominate them for entertainment and best produced categories. Don't do any of the other categories that'll split the vote. Just those two, entertainment and best produced. October 1st, they'll also be debuting their new design of the website. So you can go to walkingdeadcast.com. There'll be a link to the podcast awards site and uh, just help them out. You know, we, we, we're all in this together as a community. And let's show our appreciation for Jason and Karen for what a great job that they always do. Yeah. And, of course, they've also said, now this is a big deal, they've also said if they win one of these awards, they will do something that the listeners want. What? Well, they've asked, and there have been a lot of things, but I bet you can imagine what the number one thing is that people keep wanting to know about Jason and Karen. What is it? You know. How they met? How they met. Well, you know what? I'm going to take that out of the running right Wait, now. Wait, what? Seriously? I'm going to take care of that right now. All you, you people, look. I'm going to. People, look. Jason's not here right now. Karen's not here. I know how they met. And frankly, if we get this out of the way, they can ask for something outside Jason and Karen. So here it goes. Jason and Karen met. Mayonnaise and peanut butter. So really, he said to her. Can you believe that? I know, that is so funny. Okay, now hopefully Jason's not going to edit that out. So there you have it, people. That is how Jason and Karen met. 
If you'd like to leave us a message, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at walkingdeadcast.com. You can check out our website at walkingdeadcast.com. And don't forget to click through our Amazon link or just go to walkingdeadcast.com slash Amazon whenever you shop at amazon.com. We are also on Twitter at Jason and Karen on Tumblr at walkingdeadcast.tumblr.com. On Facebook at (laughs) facebook.com slash deadcast and on Pinterest at pinterest.com slash deadcast. Uh, And also personally, I got to go ahead and say you can find me, Mr. Blog, on Twitter at Mr. Blog. You can find me on Facebook at uh, Mr. Blog or you can go to facebook.com slash Mr. Blog. And please, by all means, visit my website, mrblog.com, where I've been doing some... uh, actually just breaking bad reviews and the occasional movie review things have slowed down and maybe only posting one to three times a week still doing more mu- <sighs> music reviews mr blog selflessly for um shameless self-promotion yes. is that what you're trying to say yes, yes. Yeah, you're right shameless self-promotion that's since 2010 so <laughs> uh don't forget everybody the <laughs> since 2010 yeah, you're yeah. right. Since 2010, you're absolutely right. Well, good you. memory. So, uh, don't forget, season premiere on October 13th on AMC for The Walking Dead. Jason and Karen will be back right after that to talk about the episode. And um, what are you looking forward in season four? I'm looking forward to see. I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, oh God, to seeing more of. Um, Do you think the governor's coming back? It depends. I mean. Well, David Morrissey is a season regular for season four, so he's going to be back. Do you think he's going to have the eye patch? And, well, well you yeah. know, we'll know we have the eye patch. Do you think he's going to have long, stringy hair and the mustache like in the comics? Uh, That's why he's been gone. He's grown out his mustache. Seriously? I don't know. Oh, oh you're just like. Well, we know Martinez will be there. We may Shumper. Martinez. Bowman. He'll be there with him. Bowman. I don't know who else he's got. Hmm. He killed everybody else. Yeah, We're gonna have all those new people in the prison. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be exciting. Yay. It's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be a bunch of old people. Old people, young people, the infirmed, and Bob Stuckey, and the supermodel who might wear glasses. I don't know. Okay. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't, don't get, get bit, bit. Dana, Dana Thorpe Patterson. Patterson.